You're listening to The Razor's Edge, an investing podcast. Your hosts are Akram's Razor, an investor, trader, short seller, and deep dive researcher for the last two decades plus, and me, Daniel Schwartzman, who's worked in investing media the last decade while managing my own stocks. We break down investing themes or ideas and speak with expert guests to get a wider understanding of a given topic. To get episodes of The Razor's Edge, Subscribe to this podcast wherever you get podcasts. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you have a chance, or share this show with a friend. Reach us on Twitter at at Daniel Shortman or at Akram's Razor. You can subscribe to Akram's The Razor's Edge newsletter at the-razors-edge.ghost.io. The link is in Akram's Twitter profile. Here's our disclosure. The views discussed belong to either Akram or me, respectively, or to our guests when we have them. Nothing on this podcast should be taken as investment advice of any sort. We'll disclose any positions and any stocks discussed in the introduction to a given episode. This week's episode of The Razor's Edge picks up where last week's left off, literally. We recorded this two-part episode in the light of the DocuSign and Omicron market sell-off week, And the big topic we hadn't got to yet was Twitter and their CEO change, which was effective immediately. So, on this episode, we discuss the news of Jack Dorsey stepping down and Parag Agrawal stepping into the role as CEO of Twitter, the other factors that might be weighing on Twitter's stock, how Elliott management fits into all of this, and then, in a wrap-up of last week's discussion, how the ongoing volatility could affect both Twitter shareholders and investor thinking going forward. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, just note that some of the references call back to it, but I think you'll be fine. For disclosures, same as last week, Akram is long booking Twitter, Zoom, and short Twilio. I am long Apple, PagerDuty, Twitter, Dropbox, booking, and yes, still Stitch Fix. Nothing on this podcast should be taken as investment advice. One other note, this is still the same recording as last week where I did a bad job with my sound, so I'll still be echoey. Sorry again. We'll do better next time. As before, I'm doing more listening than talking, so the bulk of this sounds good. Okay, here we go. So, I mean, I, I still, for Twitter, I still, like, if you, I'll use one of my names as a contrast that's in the SaaS bucket that we joked about and talked about before, to Dropbox. Like, Dropbox is literally now trading at probably 15 times trailing free cash flow. And so... And they're not, Twitter has much more growth. I think whether or not they hit their 2023 targets there or 2024, whichever it is, they're, they're going to grow faster revenue wise. But I just feel like I can look at that multiple and say, okay, like Dropbox grows 10 times or 10% at, at a 15 times free cash flow multiple with everything basically dropping to the bottom line. I feel pretty decent about that. Whereas Twitter, it's still, you know, they're, they're fine, but it, like, I still think that there's still a little bit of the fair trade element to that. Right. So that's, I guess, where the, I, I, I'm still long Twitter, but it's a small position. And I think there's still to back into where they reach that sort of multiple, let's say it's like, it seems like yeah, it takes so more look, time. It's, it's look where it's trading. It doesn't even have to grow. Right. And I mean, if you think about everything that's happened, this is actually a really good setup for the new CEO. That's talked fair. about it a bunch of times, but like nobody thinks they're going to hit the MDAU number. So that's not even really a real street expectation anymore. Yeah. yeah. Right. We know there's a lot of low hanging fruit on the revenue side. 
And like now you no longer have this like, uh, I mean, if you look at it, Twitter is, I mean, when I looked at these names at the end of August of 2020, and this is, we were discussing this on, on a space, a couple of guys are just obviously very upset about what's gone on at Twitter and, you know, Ned selling stock and when, you know, like it, to the point where like the sentiment really focuses that like this thing is going down for unique reasons to itself. And I looked at it and Spotify has performed worse. Okay. Uh, Pinterest, Twitter, and Facebook are flat. Like that's the same, like you, there's no difference. Snapchat has doubled. Should have bought Snapchat. Right. But like, it's very hard to sit here and single them out when like, that's kind of the dynamic they're dealing with. What's that time yeah. frame for that? Like what period is Spotify doing worse? It was, it was August of uh, end of August of 2020. Okay. Basically I got bullish on Twitter in June. Right. And then it got to that point. I was, I mean, I, like I had some square, I was trading things like Penn, Spotify, Facebook, et cetera, like page of duty, Slack, whatever you think about summer of 2020. And I just want to like, I wanted to focus on one where I like the investment narrative. And, you know, we were now like, what, like a good uh, six, seven months into super Twitter usage during COVID. And uh, we kind of get a sense of what was going on. And like, I picked Twitter, right? Like there was many reasons, uh, the restructuring, kind of the setup, the ad tech stack, and then like there's just the broader thinking of who wants to really get behind this one horse when you've got uh, all these choices in this market. But my view is that like the networks have grown and like that's like the revenue follows on the ad side. So I knew you're going to make money in any of these names. You probably should have just bought the basket to have Snapchat, but like having been someone who'd been a bear on Snapchat in the past. Uh, and, you know, sensitive to like where some of these things trade valuation wise, probably still am to tell you the truth, uh, where it's trading is still kind of aggressive and not understanding it nearly as well. Cause I'm not using it day to day. Right. You could also say in Twitter with some people think that's a crutch. Right. But if you take that and you put it together, uh, I felt like I made the right decision. And obviously we've done the podcast, uh, you know, over the, over the year and we've had crazy volatility events too. Right. Like when you think about what just happened recently, uh, I, I still feel the earnings at the end of October of 2020 was crazier. Right. Like that, like had made almost no sense. So there's been crazy wild gyration. And there was the Trump sell off in January, which set up for a nice trade. But I think what's happened now has had nothing to do. Like, it's a sector, right? Like I would be furious if this was trading here and, you know, Pinterest was 100, Snapchat was 100, Facebook was 90 or whatever, right? Right. But the idea that... 390, I mean, not $90. Right. <laughs> yeah. The fact is that... So, so what do you make then of the, the specific dynamics where you're Jack Dorsey down, out immediately? Parag Agarwal in CTO. I know my perception is a frequent Twitter user, you know, the more notable names out there are Ned, of course, but I don't think you want to see a phone in a tech company. And um, 
Kayvon, the head of product, who is now the general well, some manager. Some people wanted to see Kayvon. So what do, you, what do you make of the decision? What do you make of the change? How, how does Parag set up beyond the fact that the bar has kind of been lowered? Um, how do you think the setup looks for, or the decision by Twitter to name some, not bring somebody new, that sort of thing? I'm not in a position to essentially assess the quality of the candidate to run the company. It seems like that's what he was doing. He was like Jack's guy. So Jack is saying he was spending 10% of his time at Twitter. Uh, this dude was, you know, providing the, for Jack, the, the resources that turned that 10% of the time into the presence of a full-time CEO. <laughs> right. So you can just look at it as a, as a 90, 10 split. Uh, and the, the way I think about this move is that I, I think it was the timing of it is more interesting than the choice right now. Seems like the choice had been something that they had, had, had considered, whether you want to say optically to put an Indian guy in who's a CTO, uh, you know, he's not hanging out with Jay-Z, he's not tweeting about hyperinflation and, and Bitcoin 24-7, right? Which clearly has been a negative for a lot of people in the stock, right? I would say, I think the people in the stock that I like, at least I'm surrounded by, don't care. Right, Jack Visionary, et cetera, et cetera. I, I, I'm, I'm sure, like you held the gun to their head, like they felt like that's part of the reason they're getting a deal, right? And that played a part in it, and they're willing to tough it out. Uh, but for for the spectators, like this has been a reason to kick the kick the name around, right? Whenever it's underperforming, and generally, let's say like the underperformance is really more of like a a long-term history story, right? Like dating back to the IPO where like they've always compared it to Facebook and these, and like, I just don't even think that, that that's really relevant for a conversation you're having today, right? You can sit there and say, uh, it plays a factor in the sentiment around the name. But I think him, the last two years, you know, has, has made it worse with the seemingly lack of focus, right? Like if something has performed the way it has over the long haul, you're just going to have a lot of people who are going to look at it and be extremely critical. And uh, I don't think you can have, you can be CEO of two companies, you know, other than Elon, right. <laughs> Particularly with one of them being private. Uh, but like Elon's approach obviously is like very, very, very focused on defending the businesses. Right. And he, he will take you on and he will engage. And he's doing like, it's, it's, all, it's almost like he's doing that, you know, full time, right? Like you wonder, you know, how much time he has in the day or what, like what time is spent doing one thing and what time is spent with him sitting on Twitter and, uh, and engaging. But when you, when you look at Jack, like with respect to Twitter, he's, he's hands off, right? He's CEO. He's not getting Elon on spaces. He's not hanging out on spaces. He's not doing any of the promotional activity. Uh, when he wants to talk about something, he's talking about crypto, right? And like when you hear about him, it's like in this awkward, very like, oh, he's been like kind of dragged in front of Congress or the Trump situation and he's in French Polynesia or something. And 
yeah, I mean, he's there on the earnings calls and he's there for the day, but like the public face has really been Ned, right? And the products, the, the product public face has really been Kayvon. Right. And that's not, there's like not much wrong with that, you know, but like when we see, when we see Mark Zuckerberg, like the image, like you don't need him, you know, uh, out and about for Facebook because the perspective is that he's behind the scenes, you know, firing X, Y, and Z and railing so-and-so in the office 24 seven and doing like trying to build the metaverse. And uh, like, he's just, he's singularly focused on this thing. Right. And his business. And you don't get that impression from, from Jack with, with Twitter and worse, like he's a step up incrementally with square right like he is more proactive about what's going on with that business and, and by the way that kind of that also reflects his his ownership right like as a much bigger stake i mean not even close and square versus twitter so like that's also a bad look right like he can be he can talk about bitcoin and he can talk about this and but it gets really annoying when he actually is doing things He's seen visibly uh, talking up what's going on at Square and very, very, very rarely talking about anything on Twitter to the point where you're like, why does, why does he have the job? Like, why does he want it? Did you see the article by Casey Newton about the, about Jack, Jack's resignation or whatever? On the, he's, he writes, he has the platformer, which I think is on Substack. He's a tech yeah, he's with, and he does his Kara Swisher. Yeah, like they had that space. I wasn't in it. I'm like I've seen like the recaps of what's gone on there yeah. in uh, my Twitter group. Yeah, that, that's uh, too too late yeah, in the I, day I, for me. Yeah, I glanced I glanced at it. I mean, there's a lot of things on the behind the scenes of this. I don't really. I mean, again, like I feel like I'm I'm rambling and we, we got a little, like it's a bit incoherent in terms of uh, uh, the thinking. But I was just saying that like the focus of this from the timing, if you're the activist and you came in to remove him and all of a sudden COVID happened and you had like a time plan for the transition, right? And then that, that kind of pushed it all out where everybody got way more bullish. Like you have to remember, if you're an activist shareholder and you enter Twitter uh, in per, like a month before the pandemic, right? Like your whole game plan script had to have changed, right? By a year later. Like whatever you were planning to do to realize your to unlock value for yourself and make 25%, right? Which I think you would have been happy with in the name with, with a position uh, by, by just like, you know, grinding certain axes and, get, and, and moving there. Like, you know, the stock doubled, essentially speaking. And then it doubled. And then we, you hit this air pocket where almost all that came out, right? Like, they're right back to like their cost basis, probably, right? Just yeah. And they, they, I think they bought more a little higher, so because they came in, the you know stock came down with COVID. That kind of had that set up in the high twenties, low thirties in May June, and I mean, they have to now be looking at it, being like, "Damn, we plowed all this money into here, right?" And we we realized no gains, right? Like, I, I think that, like, that's, like, no one's going to come on and verbally declare what happened, but 
they have to look at that and be like, all right, like if we're actually going to make money on this thing again, uh, yes, the internal fundamentals are good and we think they're going to hit the revenue targets. We're just as skeptical on, on the user, but like we need to change this whole narrative, right? So like we need to be set up so that like once it's beating and once it's growing steadily, right? Nobody's talking about the CEO being distracted. And that like there's like that this is actually literally uh standing in the way, limiting your returns, right? It's limiting your ability to expand your multiple. Okay. So if you're at this juncture and you've been invested in something like this and you haven't made much money in two years in a market like this on a sizable position, like you are going to remove what stands in the way of maximizing your gains. There's no doubt that him as CEO of two companies, let alone uh, like, I don't know, maybe like maybe people have had chats with him from uh, uh, those groups about like changing his behavior, but like, what are you going to do? Like he has, like, you're not going to get a guy like that to change his behavior. You know, that goes back to our Steve Jobs conversation, right? Or it's like you sold every share but one. It's like, hey, if you're not happy with it, I'll go to Pixar. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's got his you know, like, Well, it's well, I mean, that's part of the, the whole package door CEO. I don't think that these guys are remotely the same personalities. I think Steve Jobs is by the time he got into where he was, like that guy had the thickest of thick skin. Uh so I think that like initially with what was happening with Twitter. Maybe Jack was was a bit sensitive to it, and I think he likes likes being the CEO of Twitter, and he views it as an important position. Uh, and that, like, you know, you need a person with this person. I think part of his his behavior, considering it's there's a political nature to it, uh, has had to do with like be understated with respect to the platform, right? Yeah, like yeah, that's fair. Yeah appear to be not uh, too political or too too biased uh, and steering things. And, you know, he's got into this whole decentralization thing and, you know, uh, Web 3.0 and et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I, I do think that, that that played a part, but like it's, it's definitely viewed a different way. So, yeah, like if you're the, if, if you're the shareholders, you're like, all right, I mean, I'm assuming some of them are still smart enough to realize that this is a factor rotation has played, you know, like 99.8% of what's going on. But uh, making the changes so that like going forward, you set the bar really low, right? And you're in a, you're in a win-win scenario, right? Uh, you couldn't have asked for a better time. So, and then if you want to look at like the decision, like, yeah, like you're, you're going with a low key guy that nobody's going to question. I think that these, uh, the Indian CEOs have been celebrated in, in big tech. They're like generally viewed from a market standpoint as execution machines who don't have egos or personal lives or anything. Right. Right. Like, obviously that's, yeah. The, the generalization. It's not true, it's not true yeah. but like, you know, you stick them in front of uh, Congress and, you know, no one's really like Saturday Night Live's not doing ske sketches on Satya and, and uh, Sundar. They do them on Zuckerberg, right? And Dorsey. So when you just look at it from that way, like 
stick somebody up there that nobody's going to care about from, uh, from, you know, the media standpoint. And uh, that when the stock is going up, everybody's like, it's like, this is was this is the reason. Right. Even though like, that's not going to be the case, right? Like so much was done uh, over the last couple of years to position them to move forward. Now there's clearly a lot of turnover going on there. And like, I mean, like this guy's, I mean, he's young and seems like he's very competent. Uh, I don't see like other than talent and like, like whether or not that's, that plays a factor in like being able to retain certain people. But I mean, people have complained about the lack of a performance culture. So maybe, uh, you know, maybe firing a bunch of people uh, for things that like, you know, you, you felt like were not executed well publicly um, convinces people that uh, convinces the people who've been skeptical, like, hey, Twitter is a cushy place to work. You can't lose your job. You just get a lot of stock options, right? <laughs> it's that like you kill that narrative. You kill the narrative of a uh, part-time CEO and you do it like, right as it's very clear that they're in a better position from a monetization standpoint. Like if you were doing something like this before, it's much, I, I think it's much more difficult. Well, that's interesting. Imagine, imagine if you've done this turnover when the stock was 80, you know, like everybody who's like put in charge looks bad initially. Yeah. It probably ends up turning around, but like initially it's like, Oh, See, you fired so-and-so and you're down 50%, right? So it's very important from the way people look at these things to take advantage of a situation like this. Because you can, I mean, people are now talking, and, and like, let's not forget the Brett Taylor. I mean, everybody loves Brett Taylor, putting him on as chair, and then he gets promoted Wednesday. Co-CEO, yeah. Co-CEO. Big, big course, week right? for Brett Taylor, yeah. Yeah. So like, I mean, a, a lot happened. Uh, people have been talking about like Salesforce acquiring them again and revisiting that. But like, I mean, this goes kind of back to the conversations we used to have about PagerDuty when you, like if multiples blow up in the space, like you, you get saved by the takeover. And if you look at Twitter now at, at 28, 29 billion enterprise value, and you think about like the Felix, and think what's his name, the stock twits guy Howard was trolling them. He's like, Solana's worth more than you. I was like, well, Axie's worth more than them too. <laughs> you know, if you're, like if you're going to, actually genuinely call uh, coins in circulation a market cap equivalent, right? But uh, which I don't think they remotely are. But people people like to poke that pod, right? And it's like, all right, I mean, like that happened very quickly, but you, you should actually be looking at it and, and saying to yourself at $28 billion and 5.1 billion, 5.2 billion revenue run rate uh, for this year and thinking that like, you know, this is, you know, a seven billion plus revenue business in a couple of years, like what? What do you pay? An enterprise value? What's your downside? Like, if it was to drop another twenty percent from here, okay, it would be like a twenty billion EV. You could take it, like, like literally, you could run a sale process and move on, get your money back, right? I don't think anybody's going to be happy with that, right? So, like, people are looking at it today. Like, if you wanted to buy it today. I don't think the people who own it are going to sell for five and a half times sales, right? <laughs> like that's just not happening because there's a durability built in assumption around Twitter that like, it doesn't have to turn like, you know, TikTok and Instagram and Snapchat, they can all fight it out over everything else. Twitter can just meander if it's the worst case scenario. 
right? And like the meandering, they can focus on actually making it more profitable, right? And you know, you, you all of a sudden are talking about a, an EV EBITDA story and like, what's the valuation there, right? That becomes the name of the game when you get down to these multiples. So like, it's like, you don't have any downside. So like when, if you're looking at doing this here, you know, like if, if you're Parag, this is the best thing you could ask for timing wise, right? Like sticking him in just now, you know, where it's trading. Uh, I think he's, he's going to get credit a year from now for uh, a stock price that like most of it had nothing to do with him. Well, I think that, and that's maybe some thoughts to, to point us towards the wrapping up. The Elliott position here is really interesting. Yeah, I think, I feel like they, we potted about it in early March, I think, of 2020. So I think they opened sometime in February. Uh, they might be 20% up on that position at most, if you just kind of look at the charts, which is, in the context, not very exciting. They, I've crossed paths with Elliott on a number uh, few names that we've discussed on this podcast, which I consider like, that's nice for me, but that they, they take shorter positions normally, like Dropbox, they were in and out, maybe a couple quarters. F5 is one we've talked about. They weren't in that very long. And in both cases, I think because those companies basically were executing the sort of capital return dynamics that a share that a activist might've agitated for anyway. With Twitter, they've hung around when they had, like you said, they did at some point double their position or, you know, hit it 100%, if not more. And so it's interesting that they've lingered. And Jesse Cohen came out and supported the decision. And to your point about Parag, the setup being nice, like, I don't know. It's hard to say that Twitter's not executing. I thought I brought up the case and you didn't think because I thought the anecdote about fleets was really interesting and telling. and. That's where a more sort of it's all it's very good, I think, to for management to be hands off and just like let your team figure it out. But also, if you don't have any buy-in from above, that's not great. And so presumably a CTO who now CEO who's like, he'll, he, you know, we'll see how his management style is, but that he has more skin in the game in the sense of I care more about this, whether or not I agree, you know, the whole disagree and commit is fine, but like, that's going to be an interesting dynamic, I think. And I think, yeah, the stock price, and this is maybe what ties all the way back to where we started with DocuSign and everybody else is, it's so easy to just look at charts, stock price becomes narrative, becomes the end of, you know, that's inevitable, right? And it's hard to, the, my challenge with super long-term investing, I want to do it, but I just never trust myself to know the future that far in advance. And so I, try to pick companies that I think are going to grow and I think have reasonable entry points. And then hopefully if both of those end up great, if one goes wrong, then I can always get out without too much of a downside hope. And so that's what's with Twitter. Like I think they've executed pretty well since the Elliott position through the pandemic. I think they've, you can, you know, fleets was started and then dropped. They, executed pretty fast in space. I think everybody likes them to move faster, but they, you know, I, I think there's, they're, they've hit their metrics for the most part. I think last quarter they had the weird lawsuit issue to wrap up, but I don't think you can really 
most of the complaints about Twitter are more of those sort of, it looks bad, whether it's you don't like their moderation policies, whether it's Jack being Jack, whatever else it's, it's mostly, you know, their AI every time now and then we'll see somebody make fun of their AI and what they're lumping in. They, they seem to be just from the business perspective, you know, they, they did better in the IDFA change last quarter than Snap or other companies and still sold off. Like they're hanging in there. And so, yeah, that's, that's an interesting setup for the new CEO in that he can give a little more focus. He's already reorganized around the general manager concept for, again, I, f- I forget, Kayvon was one and I can't remember who the other two were, but where they have three areas that they own. We'll see if that makes a difference for them. But yeah, it makes you, between between that setup and then to your point, the sort of acquisition setup, if nothing else works. Um, yeah, I hear that. It's a, it's a sort of a really interesting, for a new CEO, you're never going to turn down really a CEO role from that position. But for a new CEO, it's it's a really intriguing time to start. Yeah, it's great for him. I mean, look, it's where like this thing is challenging is when someone comes up to you today and is like, do like what's your best idea for the next 12 months? I mean, we had one guy who said Twitter, right? And again, and he actually laid it out. And I was like, I mean, like if you if I said that right now, people would be like, oh, that's just that's you can you're biased. And I haven't added, right? I mean, that's because at least with respect to this name, I looked at the whole tape and I've rationalized that like it's not going down because of Twitter, right? It's the market. So like why am I gonna add? I can't figure out like how all these names are being priced. The challenge with Twitter right now is that like it's trading, you know, a hair above Facebook, right? On a sales basis. And forget what that is on on an adjusted earnings basis with the investments Facebook's is making and whatnot. Like it becomes like what went like now Roku's like, what is it, a $25 billion enterprise value company? Like once so many things blow up in a very short time period, you can you can buy. I mean, what's what are we talking with uh, with uh, Zoom? You know, high thirties, low forties on earnings, right? Like you like you start having these like difficult choices if you actually wanted to start over today, right? I mean, which is why going back to that conversation of August of two thousand, like two thousand and twenty. Uh, and being like, all right, like you back this horse, and then you fast forward. Like, well, I mean, the entire time I would have always been doing better in Snapchat. And then, despite Snapchat recently having a, a bit of a haircut, it actually was the best one. Well, the other ones, you know, ended up being like no different, right? Like that's where you lately say like, no, nothing was added here. But I still think that like, if you're thinking longer term and you can just own it, you can just own this name, right? Like this is what's happened in this environment. Like you actually need to be sitting there and thinking, can I just own this for the next three years? And like, you know, can I beat the market? And is there optionality built into it? I, I think so. I still think without question. And you've just now done this, like, I want to call it financial engineering, but let's just say like you've removed 
some of the hindrances that it had with respect to uh, uh, the CEO and people who like to to blame him for the stock's performance over the over since inception, essentially, right? Like the founder association. I think that had to do something with uh, with you know his commentary about founders, right? Like he stuck in a couple sentences, basically being like, you, you know, this, these businesses are this business is bigger than the founders, right? Yeah, and that's been, yeah, it's a, it was an interesting comment. It has to look beyond the founder, which, in the context of, again, the Zuckerberg comparison, and. Twitter story with the founders kind of coming and shuffling in and out the team of them. So, well, yeah, but, I mean, you've got, you know, DocuSign down 50%, Asana down 50%, uh, you know, 20, 30 names in software down, you know, 25% plus, right? In a month. So, like, when that happens, and like, you can't really come out and just be like, my best idea is just Twitter. Yeah, there is, and that's, I guess that's where to go back to the beginning, the, the sifting out and figuring out, okay, how much of this is it's hard. I, I just pulled up Upstart's chart, for example, which we've mentioned before. That's been cut in more than half, but it's still also right back to where it was in June, maybe June or July. So it's like, yeah, so Upstart's weird like that, right? Like, I mean, by the time people were interested in it, it was, you know, $120, $130 stock, right? And I've had people in my feed uh, and some guys have DM'd me on it. And, you know, it went from, I can just tell you from from following them who have talked about it. Uh, a couple of people have talked about it to me in, in you know, around 100. And I guess like maybe like 120 or something in that volatility earlier in the year. And, They've been saying the same thing from 100 to two, three, four to three to two, back to one, right? Like you, you, you can't differentiate. Like it's very difficult to like analyze it and be like, what, like, like, what is not momentum, and like, what's an investment thesis? Because there's plenty of names where. You know, you come all the way back down and you go lower. Like to me, this is this is a price to earning stock, right? Like I can see it cut in half again, and then starting from there. And that's like you don't know what to do with names like that, right? I think there's a lot of names in software where you're you're more likely than not going to be a winner uh, if you're looking at it from five years now. And the embedded growth assumptions have come down significantly. Like if you think about DocuSign, really the market has taken it from a 30% to a 20% growth assumption. And I generally think that like their CAGR is going to look closer to 30%. Right. But like you're in this window where that's right in that direction. Like we're going to have page duty coming up soon. And like they're going to be talking thirty percent, right? I mean, like, if if they're if they're still talking thirty percent growth, like that's genuinely cheap again, right? I mean, it's the point out, but like, do you, like I mean, in that case, in this particular case, like having sold and coming back in, all right, good setup. That would be that would be what you're thinking here, but 
when we were looking at it down here before, there was a lot of other names that were way higher, right? You didn't like, you didn't have to sit there and think, well, do I buy Twitter? More Twitter here? Like, do I look at, you know, any one of another 15 stock? Like, this goes back to the conversation around have, like choosing Zoom at the end of 19 versus the value. And by the way, the value names have done very well in SaaS this year. Like, if you look at the names that are up here today, more than half of them uh, were growing less than 20%. You don't have to tell me about it. That's, uh, I mean, even though it's come down quite a bit, that's where Dropbox, I think it's still oh, Dropbox, Teradata, New Relic, uh, you know, Box, Box uh, Zora. Uh, there's, there's a bunch of them. Uh, Nutanix, although that's come off. Uh, but like these would have been multiple screeners, right? Like it's not, not, not very hard. And then there's just like we're, we're left with a extremely narrow group on the uh, what do you want to call it the 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 hyper growth you know and I don't know what like hyper growth even means anymore like because there's a lot of names that have very high growth rates that have collapsed but are not in the same category as them now some of them the forward the confidence around the forward growth within the next six to twelve months has come in immediately. So like you can only look at trailing numbers because the features is, is unknown, but like at, it's very reasonable. I mean, like we we do know that like, you know, no one's going to be arguing with you if you say that uh, Zoom is not going to grow 30% next year, right? Because the sequential growth rate has come down so notably. You're not discounting any reacceleration, but yeah, the point is, is that you've opened up this whole cadre of names, and then you've got the stuff that hasn't come down yet, right? Like you've got the people who are waiting, as we talked about it earlier, for the generals to get shot, right? Like, can this market survive a major drawdown in Microsoft and uh, uh, Google and Oracle and Nvidia and Tesla and crypto? Like, it seems everything is so indiscriminate; it's going to run its course, right? So you got a bunch of people who don't want to pull the trigger yet on increasing exposure, right? And bottom fishing in names that they like without that. But if you actually look back like at 2018, in 2018, the software complex held up way better at the end of the year, right? And that sell-off at the end of 18, yeah, they came down, but it wasn't as bad as semiconductors or big cap tech, right? Big cap tech was actually what really got roiled at the end of 18. And software actually started rebounding at the end of that. And I actually remember that vividly. This time, big cap tech is, well, A, I mean, like the, the general view is cheaper, but uh, they've been like, they've been where people have been hiding. And like, it's like, you almost see it. Like, you know, like, like you're sitting there looking at every SaaS stock down 10% or more on, on a day. Like I think it was uh, Wednesday or Thursday. I think it was, it was Wednesday. And, uh, and then like Apple's rallying. It's yeah. Know, it's green. Yeah. That was the day. Apple had been insane. So like, you're just like, all right, like this is algorithmic, right? I mean, there's no news and there's just like flows are taking over here. I mean, I think like I look at Twitter, I don't think it's had an update. 
is. I mean, literally, it may have had like one or two updates in like the last 30 trading session. Yeah, and it's something that, yeah, it started sort of towards the beginning of the month, I think the broader sort of dynamics and it's just kind of. I mean, things got crowded. I, mean, I definitely would not want to own FinTech right now, right? Like, I don't think that that's done. Uh, I definitely think that there's still names in SaaS that, you know, there's 20, 30% downside still, right? Like Compound had a nice tweet where he's like, where well, he was talking about DocuSign and he was like, uh, you know, every high multiple name is, is you know, somewhere down the road going to have this DocuSign moment. Right, I said that. Right. And that goes back to this whole idea of renting one year forward, right? I mean, you can fault DocuSign management for getting it wrong, but like these, it's just like Peloton management and uh, it's human nature, right? Like you, people want to take credit for an acceleration. They don't want to just blame it on the, like they don't want to just say, hey, it's a pandemic and then, you know, it's going to, like, it's going to reverse course, right? Like how many people have you met or just like the pandemic is the reason this portfolio did what it did. No, I'm like my stock picking. Like I was busting uh, Justin's balls because he was like, you know, sort of having the whole back and forth where he's like you're predicting the complete total market sell-off. And I was like, no, you and I had a conversation in February about a risk-off period coming up. And if you want to actually look at the big picture, he's like, if I had sold then, I'm like, I don't know, I'm telling you to sell Atlassian, right? But I was like, your Atlassian's an outlier, right? I mean, nearly 70% of names in the software space are down on the year, right? And you're in a name that like over three months is up 100%, right? Like, and that's what you're only holding, <laughs> like of, of, of key names in that space. And you're, caught, you're, you're going to be biased, right? You're not going to be thinking, well, this sector is down on the year, right? Like it looks like, a, we're not talking about, by the way, when we look at the ones that are down, like the mean decline year to date, you know, it's close to 30%. I mean, that's way above a bear market already, right? People don't think of it that way. And if you own Cloudflare or just the, uh, or like, you know, your biggest position is Cloudflare or, uh, or, or Atlassian. You're just like, what, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's still a few. What, what are you guys talking about? Well, why would I want to sell anything? Like, uh, well, you're essentially maybe a day, maybe a month, maybe two months away, or everything else has to reflate massively, right? Like, well, you're not talking about 10 times sales for, you know, uh, without question, 30% type of revenue growth forecast for companies. Right? So can you really be paying 30 and 40 times? Do you feel like you're unique? You feel like you're unique when like DocuSign's already had a bunch of people being like, it's a, it's a point product. It's a feature, right? Like that immediately has come out. Like it's, it's having the same issue as Zoom right now. Right. And it's like these guys are doing two billion in revenue. <laughs> like you're not saying this about like the company's doing like 80 million a quarter. You're not worried about that for them at like ridiculous multiples. So I mean, there's definitely constraints in, in some of these markets. And the minute 
one of them like steps down just a bit, right? Like it gets blown up and everybody's like, oh no, but there's a reason for that. These, the rest of these are fine. The reality is it's very difficult to sustain uh, uninterrupted, completely non-volatile growth in, in any environment. But like COVID, like I think of COVID, like I look at a Z-scaler and I'm like, at some point they're going to have slower business on, you know, zero trust uh, uh, network access, right? Like it's a product for them that's shot through the roof just recently. And that's been tied to work from home, right? There's a lot of these guys in that category. So like they have a step down coming next year sometime, right? Like if everything in collaboration stepped down, like there's going to be a step down on the infrastructure side. And then, yeah, maybe by the end of next year, you know, we're like, we're, we're complaining about advertising and that uh, crypto started spending less on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Was, yeah another. Google search or whatever. Yeah, yeah, there's uh, the attention is going to, I think, disperse in a lot of places, and that's going to have the effect there. But I think, let's, like, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just saying, I think we should wrap, but if you bet, yeah, that's fine. I think we've, we've rambled enough. So, uh, yeah, always interesting times, I think, is the yeah, I mean, the takeaway here is. Sometimes, you know, things get too overheated that you end up with these just ridiculously bad outcome scenarios when you want to buy a good business. And like no one's, no one really is going to be out there telling you that. Like the people who made 100x investing in, in the last, you know, 24 months in private companies aren't going to tell you that. I was joking. I was like, uh, you know, I think it was, Compound had a tweet about VCs being quiet. I was like, well, they have blood on their hands. <laughs> well, of course. I mean, like, you know, you've been exiting your portfolio companies into this environment. It's been fantastic. A lot of supply makes things more difficult. By the way, that goes back to some of the stuff that's gone on with everything, right? Like, we've just been talking about the very nature of supply complicating your choices with, like, you know, names you already own. Now you're forced to, like, kind of look at other names that you thought maybe were too richly valued before but now like are comparably ownable. And if you're in a name that hasn't come down, that's your tough comp, right? It's like, I can, I can go from this at 50 times sales to, yeah, I think we're, we're still good for a couple more quarters, but like that's not trading in nine times sales. So, and if you added like 30 IPOs, you know, in software in a short time period, like every one of those has to find some sort of, you know, stable demand and like sticky long-term investors. And that's not easy, right? Like when you have this type of environment. So I think there's a lot, like a lot of what's happened is the supply of an IPO bubble, right? Like that's, that's compounded the whole situation. And that, by the way, happens when you have these types of sell-offs, right? Like they tend to come here. Like when people were, how many people you hear talking about, you know, uh, leaving money on the table anymore in an IPO? I mean, there's so, so many of these IPOs have lost like 70, 80%. And the one day pop now seems silly. By the way, the last time that happened was 20 years ago. 
Duolingo has, that's the one IPO I paid attention to this year. It's, I think, still above where it IPO, but at its, otherwise at its 52 week low, more or less. So Airbnb is still probably way above where it IPO. That was the other one I had on my mind. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, I mean, I don't, it's not, I think with, yeah, I think we've talked a lot about how the end of COVID is going to be what, and you know, we're not at the end of COVID, but the lapping of it's COVID dynamics. Of the event. That's what yeah. It is. yeah. And that's where you get into these, like you've seen it enough with enough management teams. Uh, I mean, Y2K clearly played a factor in, in 99, 2000. Uh, this is not going to play out the same way because that's a different structure, but like there's elements of it. And I mean, the DocuSign call is a classic example. Like they want to frame it, whatever they want to frame it. But when you come out and just say, hey, we outperformed, we got accelerated and now we're decelerating. We thought it was going to be this like ridiculously smooth, soft landing. That was Peloton's approach, right? We got this huge benefit and we're going to take that base and we're going to model our, our, our growth rate from before because our TAM is so massive. That could prove out correct over five years. Right. And I'm going to guess highly unlikely, but uh, they could. I mean, you have to consider the possibility, but you're going to go through a period where it doesn't like where, like, like the, the short term forces overpower everything. And that was kind of the argument here two months ago. This is what we've debated a lot in the Slack. It's just like, just like you're, you're, you're not going to get the opportunity to walk away like this and get that, like, you know, five, was it, is it 10 years? Is it five years? Who knows? That depends on on how big the swoon is. But like someone was saying that, hey, like, you know, SaaS stocks are now trading almost back to pre-COVID multiples. Well, like were pre-COVID multiples wrong if like you're, you're past the COVID point and like you pulled all this growth forward? In fact, shouldn't they trade it lower than pre-COVID multiples if you pulled the growth forward? Like, isn't that the rational argument? Like, shouldn't you be paying less on a sales basis if you shortened that time period to get to where Zoom is today? That's a, that's the funny thing about Zoom when it's like it, tra- it it would be trading at a higher aggregate market value with 1.5 billion in revenue than it is going to be at four because your confidence in its ability to grow significantly from here has fallen off a cliff. But your confidence at 1.5 billion that it would be, you know, 40% for the next three years was still very high. Yeah, that's a, it, that's an interesting dynamic that probably you know is worth unpacking at some point further because the idea of which would you rather and what markets prefer and what the lock like if you were to ascribe terminal value and a terminal revenue. You would think it would still, all things be equal, be higher for Zoom, unless you're making the sort of slack comparison last year where the pandemic has, and really, I still think it's only Microsoft that's even in the conversation of competing with Zoom. But uh, yeah, but otherwise. Some teams or some, uh, you know, WebEx, you still see it, people are using it. But yes, you are correct. I mean, I still think Google Meet is crap and complete whatever our company isn't super coordinated on that and so occasionally i'll get the google meet link and it'll work 
but it'll also be a worse experience and I'll have to politely say that we should consider Zoom next time. So yeah, but that's, that's uh, so it's, yeah, it, it, that's a fun Like I think you're right that the growth stocks is all about the next year and the visibility, but it's still hard to back yourself out of comparing the counterfactual of Zoom without a pandemic and where it would be now with lower revenue. China, I mean, there's like, that's a whole other chaotic bucket. I mean, I think it's easier right now for me to look at next year and be like, this is going to happen in other sectors, right? Like there's going to be a period where like people no longer want to own Costco and Home Depot. Uh, and, uh, you know, the rental car market's going to cool off and uh, yeah. the automotive stocks are going to cool off and semiconductors, there's like, it'll happen fast in semiconductors. You won't know it, right? But like whether it's in two quarters or a quarter and a half or someone will have a warning here and there and then like people will be like, okay, you know, uh, the supply constraint, the, the, the supply shortages here uh, have turned into a bit of an inventory correction, like overnight. And there's there's so many of these. And then there's like there's that intangible of crypto, right? And everybody who's been involved in that. And then what happens in the startup ecosystem? You know, someone was asking like, if DocuSign is trading at this now and Zoom is trading at that, like, you know, what's Airtable at, you know, uh, one thousand times sales or something? <laughs> like, well, how are these things trading? I mean. Clearly, you're not going to be able to IPO anything now. Like, like anyone who owns like a blanket IPO basket is looking at what's going on and is just like, I want nothing to do with IPOs. Yep. And that's uh, I don't know if you saw somebody tweeted. I haven't looked into this. Buzzfeed is about to go public via back. Yeah, employees were staging a walkout or something too. A lot of media-related SPACs. I was looking at things like Taboola and Outbrain, which are you know that sort of spammy advertising model, and they're neither of them have been doing very well. Yeah, it's an interesting, interesting uh, environment on that part of the market as well. There's a lot. Yeah, that's that's I guess what makes this market. You know, you've seen the quote. I'm sure Charlie Munger saying this is crazier than 2000. I don't know if across the board it's as bubbly, but there's a lot of like localized crazy things going on. And so I can imagine why somebody like Charlie would say that. So, well, yeah, so we'll keep plugging forward and figure out how to right. manage it. So good stuff, Akra. Sounds good, bro. Thank you for listening to The Razor's Edge. Subscribe to this wherever you get your podcasts. Hit us up on Twitter at, at Daniel Shortman and at Akram's Razor with suggestions, requests, or anything else. We aim to publish this every Tuesday morning and love to hear from you. If you can share this with a friend or leave a review on Apple Podcasts, we'd really be grateful as that will help the podcast grow and improve. This has been a Shortman Studios production. Our theme song is Move On by Sokel. Thank you for listening and see you next week.